Bible says in Isaiah 10, verse 27, that your burden will be removed. Your yoke, that's a yoke of bondage, will be destroyed because, come on, of the anointing. The anointing can do in one moment what months and years of therapy cannot do, what months and years of medication cannot do, what months and years of crying cannot do, in one moment, the anointing will remove every burden and destroy every yoke. That's what we need in the church. That's what we need in the body of Christ is the anointing. We need the anointing. The anointing will fix everything wrong like that. <laughs> let the power, let the power of the Holy Ghost fall on me. Let the power, let the power of the Holy Ghost fall. May the anointing hit your house today. Let the power of the Holy Ghost this word today as we listen and receive this word oh anointing as I preach to your people today Lord let your anointing fall on me may every burden be removed and every yoke be destroyed in the lives of your people by the anointing Matthew 26, please, verse 36 through verse 39. Matthew 26, verse 36 through 39. Do you have it? Yes, sir. I said, do you have it? Yes, sir. All right, let's read it together this morning. Ready, read. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed saying, oh my father, if it is possible, 
let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Not as I will, but as you will. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Verse 38, Jesus said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He prayed to the Father and said, Lord, there's any way we can do this some different way. Any way we can let this cup, this cup of suffering, and pain, and shame, and death pass from me. Please, Father, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. I want to talk from verse 38 especially when he said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. I want to use for a subject today, I can't die like this. I can't die like this. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm not where God wants me to be yet. God's not through with me yet. So I've decided I can't die like this. I can't die like this. Father, thank you for the word and your anointing. Let it be upon these lips of clay and upon the ears and hearts of your people. Let your word go forth freely, unhindered, unchecked by any outside force. Let it move swiftly, be glorified among your people, and be confirmed with signs following today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I can't die like this. Thank you, Lord. Everyone in this room was born with a purpose. There is a reason you made it here in the earth. None of us snuck into the earth. None of us surprised God by being born, no matter what the circumstances were. It doesn't matter whether your parents were long married and loved each other or your parents were involved in a one-night stand. It wouldn't even matter if you were born as a result of some devious act. If you're here, if you made it in the earth, God has a purpose for your life. <laughs> Those of you who understand uh, biology and how the human reproductive process works, you understand that it took simply one seed to uh, fertilize an egg to produce you. Yet you understand that there were millions of seeds. But one made it. That one had your name on it. <laughs> that one 
was what God told Jeremiah. Get on the screen, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. When he said, before I formed you, before the seed met the egg, created a zygote. Before that beautiful, miraculous act happened, I knew you. I chose that one. <laughs> he said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were born. Before you were born, I sanctified you. Oh. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Now, some of you may say, well, I'm not Jeremiah. No, you're not Jeremiah. You are who you are. And yet, before you were formed in the womb, God knew you. I like this four times. He says, I formed you. I knew you. I sanctified you. I ordained you. We are his people. The sheep of his pasture. It is he that has made us. And not we ourselves. So God made you, God knew you, he formed you, he sanctified you, and he ordained you to be something great in your life. He knew that to be born in this, in this earth, you'd have a very small beginning. You'd be nondescript coming into the, into the planet. In other words, you, you, you were born and you were in the, in the nursery ward at, at Bayfront Hospital or Mound Park, or some of y'all know about Mound Park. Uh, some, you were born into whatever hospital you were born into, and you were nondescript. You were just a baby like any other baby on, in, that, in that ward, as far as they were concerned. But when God peered over the balcony of heaven and saw you, <laughs> and when he saw you, remember now, he, uh, he declares the end from the beginning. So before Jeremiah was born or formed, God had already declared his end. So for you, God isn't trying to formulate your story as you go along. God isn't sitting there and saying, okay, well, they're, oh, they were, they were born black. Okay, let me see what I can do with them if they were born black. Or, let me see, they were, that's a female. Maybe I can do this with a female. Or, you know, they're this height. Oh, they, they were only 5'5". Five, five. Okay, well, I'm not sure I can do with them at 5'5". Five, five. No, before I formed you, I knew you. So your form was based on his knowledge. No, not catching this. So your form, your blackness, your female, your male identity, whatever you are, your height, uh, is, is because that's what God needed you to be to fulfill his purpose in your life. That's why, that's why God is not appreciative of transgenderism. It's not that he hates the people. It's that I formed you this way for a purpose. The Bible says male and female created he them. 
He made male a male male because there's a purpose for that particular male and a female a female because there's a purpose for that particular female. So it's not about hate. It's about a purpose. <laughs> God, when he formed you, didn't purpose you to be in the world sucking and jiving and cutting the food. He formed you for a purpose. <laughs> he had a plan for your life. And you and I may have all gone through our little, you know, trek of being out there in the world. Most of y'all forgot. Most of us went through our little trek out there in the world. That's why the Bible says, of such were some of you. Oh, now you were washed, you were sanctified, but of such were some of you. And, and with all that, it didn't change the purpose. It, it only delayed the inevitable for us. The truth of the matter is, you and I could have started a long time ago fulfilling God's purpose in our life. But he, uh, get Romans uh, chapter 8 and uh, verse 28, 29 and 30. Romans 8, 29, uh, 28, 29 and 30. Glory to God. I'm just going to flow for a minute here. He says, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called. Come on. Who are the called according to what? Keep going, please. Verse 29. 29. Come on, 29. Let's go. I said 28, 29, and 30. You got to get all of them. Let's go. For whom he foreknew. Remember what he said to Jeremiah? So for whom he foreknew, he also what? Predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that it might be the firstborn among many brethren. Keep going, please. Verse 30. Oh, come on, verse 30, verse 30, verse 30. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. So that's what he was doing while you were in the club. Shucking and jiving, tipping and slipping and dipping and tripping and all the stuff you were doing. He was calling you, hey, hey. That's why at some point the club just kind of, you kind of got over it. You were doing all kind of stuff, and you just kind of just, it ain't fun anymore. Because purpose was calling you. Destiny was drawing you. And so he said, whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also what? Glorified. So give, give me that verse. Can you switch to verse, uh, verse 30 to the Amplified, please? I love verse 30 to Amplified. First of in the Amplified, this is so great. Watch this. Watch what he says about you. When he predestined and called and justified and glorified. But watch what the Amplified Bible says. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I, I would have had this written down, but this is Holy Ghost talking to me now. Glory to God. Romans 8, verse 30, Amplified. And those whom he thus foreordained, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. Acquitted. Y'all know what it means to be quitted. Made righteous, Jesus dropped the charges. <laughs> Putting them in the right standing with himself. Everybody say, I'm, I'm, in right I'm in right standing with God. And those whom he justified, he also glorified, watch this, raising them to a heavenly dignity and condition or state of being. So you and I have been raised 
to a heavenly dignity and condition or state of being. So you and I are heavenly. That's why we can sit in heavenly places. That's why we have access to heaven, spiritual blessings in heavenly places. You got it. So purpose has been calling you a long time. Purpose has been calling you. God has a destiny planned for you. Give me Ephesians 2.10, stay in Amplified. Ephesians 2.10, Amplified. I'll get into this here in a second. Ephesians 2.10. I think I'm off all next week. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew that we may do those. So here, watch this. I want you to see what God has planned for your life. Do those good works which God predestined, pre-planned beforehand for us. Read it with me. Taking paths. That we should walk in them. Now stop. I know y'all like to go to the end of that. But watch. He says that he predestined, planned beforehand good works for us. And we are taking paths which he prepared ahead of time. The steps of a are what? Ordered by the Lord. And he delights in his way. The steps of a good man. How many good men and good women do I have in here? Come on. Boast on yourself a minute. Good man, good women. I'm a good man. Come on, all y'all leading man, leading man. I'm a good man. Ain't somebody a good man hard to find. I'm right, wondering why you're talking about. I'm just unavailable. Taken. I've been claimed off waivers. I was a free agent for a moment, but I got signed to a lifetime contract. What you talking about? <laughs> Glory to God. We got some free agents. Any free agents in the house still? Any free agents? Y'all, they, they like this. They like this. Any free agents in the house? So, so before I formed you, Jeremiah 1 verse 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So you were formed and you were built with God's purpose in mind. Now listen to this. I want you to write this, this down. I want you to write this down. A life without purpose will be a life without power. A life without purpose will be a life without power. It's important. Take a photo. Whatever you got to do, write it down. A life, this is important. A life without purpose will be a life. See, without purpose is meaning. Meaning, M-E-A-N-I-N-G. Meaning, purpose. A life without purpose, a life without direction, a life without substance, a life without, um, without a destiny, a life without, uh, in other words, purpose is something to live for. So if you have nothing to live for, your life will be without power. I'm not talking to people without purpose in their lives. I'm just explaining to you that without purpose, a life would be without power. Purpose enables you to power through pain. This is important. You can write this down later on when you're watching online. Purpose enables you to power through pain. Anybody ever had pain that you've had to go through in your life? 
right? Let, let me just give it just a natural example. Anybody ever have physical pain in your body? Yeah. But you had to go to work. You pushed right through that pain. Now, it's interesting people have pain in their body. They stay home from church, but they go to work because they, they don't go to the hospital. Why you, why you come to church today? I was sick. This is a hospital, child. This is, a, this is why you come when you're sick. I wasn't feeling well. <laughs> you stay home? Supposed to run up here and get into, hey, hey, lay some hands on me, man. So when you have pain in your body, but you have to go to work, or if any parent, when you uh, you you splitting headache, whatever something happening, and your child gets up and say, I want some grits, I want some grits, mom, I want some grits. Your purpose helps you push past all that pain in your head. I got to get things done. I got to get things done. It allows you to push through pressures in life. Anybody ever, ever felt any pressure in your life? We feel like life is all around you just trying to shh, just trying to crush you. And when that happens, if you don't have purpose, these are the people who end up, you see the stories of them going to the Skyway Bridge. Because they have not identified their purpose. So when the pressure of life gets too heavy on them, they end their lives. They choose to die like that. I'm here to talk to some people and say, look, I, I can't die like this. <laughs> I can't die like this. I, I, can't, I can't die. I can't end it like this. I've got a purpose in my life. I've got a reason to live. I've got a, a destiny I must fulfill. A charge to keep I have. A God to glorify who gave his son my soul to save and fit it for the sky to serve this present age come on y'all know it. my calling to fulfill oh man all oh, my powers engaged to do my master's will so you press past pain you press past pressure you 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 uh, when you have purpose you can press uh, push past uh, disappointments and, and setbacks. Did anybody ever experience any disappointments and setbacks? People who become successful in business generally experience several setbacks before success happens. And if you just, you know, just, well, I'm just trying out something. Two or three setbacks, you quit. But when you got a purpose behind what you're doing, you can get seven no's and you keep saying no, because there's one yes out there. There's one yes out there. I'm fine that one yes. And see, it's, it's important. Oh, man. It's critical, ladies and gentlemen, that you quickly identify through God your purpose. Why am I here? What does God call me for? Why did he predestine me? Why did he choose me? Why did he call me? Why, why did he glorify me? I should have still been squatting around with all my filth and all my stuff out there. Why did he pull me out of the world? You didn't come on your own accord. You know that. You do know that, right? You do know you didn't choose him, but he chose you. You do know you, you weren't born with a mind to live, right? You might have a mind to live right now, but that ain't how you came here. 
You are in sin and enjoying it. <laughs> Am I right about it? So you need purpose. Can I take my time today? You need purpose to push past all the setbacks, all the of, of the of the of the abandonment, all the when people walk out on you, and you know you can't quit when that happens. You, purpose will make you keep going. I remember when 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 we we first uh, uh, got over here to this building. I remember people just kind of walk out on us. This is back in 2001, 2002, that time. And I remember this this phrase came out of my mouth: "One monkey don't stop no show." You gotta have that kind of mindset that if people walk out on you, bye-bye. So long, bye-bye. Because I got a purpose, I'm gonna keep on going to what God has for me in my life. See, but if you're shallow and needy, needy, N-E-E-D-Y, needy, I need people like that. Now, I understand we all need each other. I'm talking about when you needy, I can't function without people. You're in trouble. See, you can't have people drive you. Purpose has to drive you. I'm talking about Holy Ghost purpose. God-given purpose. So you need, you need purpose to power past these things. Are y'all hearing me? Go to Luke 4 real quick. Luke 4. Hallelujah. I, I need to try to finish this today. Luke 4, because I want, you to show, want to show you that Jesus Christ had a purpose and the devil recognized his purpose. And when the devil recognizes your purpose, just like he did with Jesus, he will try to kill you the way he tried to kill him. In Luke 4 and verse 9, you know Satan's been looking out for Jesus since Genesis chapter 3. You hear what I said? From Genesis chapter 3, the devil's been looking out for Jesus. Remember when, when Adam and Eve sinned? And then God spoke to, to Eve and said, hey, you're going to go through hard time having children and so forth. And we told, told Adam, the ground is cursed for your sake. But he told Satan, told a serpent, which, which was Satan, he said, hey, you are cursed. He said, you're going to slither on the ground. Now he was upright. Now you're going to slither on the ground. And he said, the seed of the woman shall bruise your head. So the very first act that he did was he got Cain to kill Abel. Why? He's looking for that seed. He's trying, to, he's trying to figure out who that seed is. Y'all not catching it. Remember Cain and Abel brought the sacrifices and here comes Abel bringing a quality sacrifice to God. So Satan said, is that him? Y'all do remember the Bible says Adam was the son of God. You read Luke, you chase Jesus Christ, Christ's genealogy in the book of Luke and it calls Adam the son of God. Satan knows that. Because matter of fact, when he saw Adam, he thought Adam was God. He looked at him like, who are you? Uh, that's another message. Remember, Adam was made in God's image and God's likeness. So, so, so Cain and Abel then came in his image, in Adam's image. So Cain and Abel looked like God. The Bible says Seth was made in Adam's image. Y'all read your Bible, right? But Cain and Abel were in... I'm teaching y'all more than I mean to teach y'all today. <laughs> so he made, he had Cain kill Abel because he's trying to kill that seed. Fast forward through thousands of years, hundreds of years by that time, you get, you, well, thousands of years, you get to the point where you have now the children of Israel 
who God called Israel my son. Y'all missed that. God, God said, he said, he said uh, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. God called Jacob, he said, that's my son. Now he's just speaking, in other words, he's, he's making him his son. But the devil hears that and says, your son? Man, he is flowing right now, Barbara, I don't know. Because I ain't had none of this on my paper here. So, so he hears, it, that's your son. And so then the devil tries to kill all of them. Remember, they, they're now in Egypt as slaves, and the new pharaoh says, kill all the little male babies. He's trying to kill off Jesus before he shows up. Fast forward, Jesus Christ is born in the earth. Herod hears about it. So Satan rises up in Herod. Kill all the male babies two years old and under. Why? He's trying to kill off that seed. Because he's scared that the seed of the woman is going to bruise his head. The devil never forgets what God told him. You might forget, but the devil don't forget what God told him. <laughs> Glory to God. So in Luke 4, Jesus comes. He's, he's born in the earth. He's now grown. He's about to go into ministry. He gets baptized by John the Baptist. And all of a sudden, heaven opens. And here's the word. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So all of heaven and earth heard, this is my beloved son. Satan says, what? Oh, that's him? I got to get him. God has announced you. That's why the devil's after you. <laughs> Don't think it's strange when these fiery trials come to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. The devil knows who you are. The devil knows you're one of God's sons or one of God's daughters and you have purpose and you have potential to ruin his kingdom. Why all this happening to me, Lord? Because you're one of God's sons. You're one of God's daughters. And the devil is definitely afraid of you. Stand tall. Stand strong. I know who I am. I'm a child of the living God. And if God be for me, who can be against me? No weapon formed against me shall possible. I ain't never scared. Tell your neighbor, I ain't never scared. I ain't never, I ain't never scared. Have a sit down, have a sit down. So, here comes the devil. The devil hears. The devil's peeking out at the baptism and he said, what? This is your beloved son whom you well please. So let me, I need to go get him. So here it is in Luke chapter four, verse nine and verse 10. It says, then he, that he, lowercase h is the devil, the uppercase h is Jesus. Then he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, this is the devil talking to Jesus. If you are the son of God, He knows he is because he heard God announce it. What did he try to do? He said, throw yourself down from here. He's trying to get Jesus to commit suicide. Now he knows from, because the devil knows scripture. The devil's read prophecy if you haven't. So he knows that Jesus Christ is supposed to come and die. But he knows how he's supposed to die. 
So he wants to prevent him from dying like that to get him to die like this. He knows he's supposed to die till he's done, but he wants to get him to die before he got started. He tried to kill you before you ever got started, but you made it here. You're still here. You're still alive and you're gone because God kept you. God saved you. God spared your life. The devil wants to bring scripture. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. He's, he's going to now take the scripture, try to, try to twist it. He's going he to try to twist the word on the word. He don't realize Jesus Christ is the word. You can't bring somebody who is the word, word, and mess up the word on the word. You can't mess up word on word, people. The devil will try to bring you one scripture, get you to take it out of context, and get you off track. But give me the next verse. And, and he's taking this verse, and he said, And in their hand they shall bear you up, let you dash your foot against stones. He's quoting Psalm 91. But watch the word respond, verse 12, verse 12. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Yeah, see, I know that verse, but I know this verse over here too. So the devil tries to kill him. Are we in Luke 4? Stay, stay in, in Luke 4. Stay in Luke 4 and go over to uh, verse 18 and 19. Barbara was over here Wednesday night about how Jesus came back in the power of the Spirit, right? In verse, verse 14. 18 19, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recover of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The devil tried to kill him before he could start preaching this. The devil's trying to sabotage your ministry. Your ministry. Your, yes, your ministry. Tell your neighbor your ministry. Tell them you have a ministry. I know I was called to ministry. We all are called to the ministry of reconciliation. Some of y'all supposed to be preaching. You sitting. <laughs> all right, Holy Ghost, yeah. So then he goes on and he preaches and you know he upsets the folk. Tells him a story about Elisha and this widow woman. But watch this. Or, uh, uh, Elijah and the widow woman, rather. But watch this in verse 28. 28. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. This is first day preaching. <laughs> Christelle, this is first day preaching, girl. He said, they rose up and thrust them out of the city. And they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built that they might throw him down. That's some preaching for you right there. When you're preaching, Barbara, they want to kill you, that's some preaching right there. But it wasn't from them, it was just in them. It was from the enemy who remembers Genesis 3. And he's trying over and over and over again to get Jesus to die. And what happened? 
Verse 30, Jesus said, I can't die like this. Y'all missed it. He said, shucks, I can't die like this. I didn't come here to jump off a cliff. I ain't come here to jump off a temple. I didn't come here to let y'all throw me off a cliff. I came to go to that cross. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. Passing through the midst of his enemy, he went his way. When you make up in your mind you can't die like this, God will let you pass through the midst of oppression, of depression, of sickness, of disease, of lack, of poverty, of persecution, of attack. He'll let you pass right through the midst of all that and go on your way. But you got to have a well-made-up mind that you're going to fulfill your purpose in the earth. You got to know who you are, whose you are, and why you're here. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, you got to know who you are. You got to know whose you are. And you got to know why you're here. Because without purpose, you have no power. I like that, passing, passing through the midst of all my trouble. Passing through the midst of all my trial. Passing through the midst of all my tribulation. He went his way. So the devil's out to kill him. He's out to kill him. Now why? Because Jesus Christ knew his ultimate purpose. Mark 10, 45, they can put on the screen for us, please. You don't have to turn over there. Mark 10, 45, Jesus Christ knew his ultimate purpose. He says this in Mark 10, 45, he says, for even the son of man did not come to be served, that's good, but to serve and to give his life, to give his life, to give his life a ransom for many. So he said, I came here not to be served, but to serve, and I came to give my life. So when it's time for me to go, I have to give my life, Andre. I'm coming, I, you can't take my life. I, I have to come, I have to give my life. So I'm gonna die on my own terms. I want you to put that in your pocket for the day. I'm gonna die on my own terms. I'm not gonna die till I'm done. I'm not gonna die till I'm satisfied. I'm not gonna die till I'm finished. I'm not gonna die till I've been fulfilled, till I fulfill God's purpose. I, I come to give my life. So he knew that. He knew that. And so it powered him past rejection. Anybody ever dealt with rejection? John chapter 1, verse 11, the Bible says that he came to his own. His own received him not. Anybody ever dealt with rejection from your own? People, you love them, you like them, you hang around them. Your own companions. David complained about it. He said, if, if I can understand if had hadn't been my own companions who I, I went to church together. We, we took sweet counsel together. He said, but my own, it was my own best friends, my own homeboys who dissed me like that. My own family. The Bible says in John 7, in John, the book of John chapter 7, the Bible says Jesus Christ, his own brothers did not believe him. His own brothers did not believe him, but he had purpose. And that purpose pushed him past rejection. It even pushed him past heartbreak. Did anybody ever experienced heartbreak? In, in Matthew 10, Matthew 14, rather. Matthew 14, verse 10 through 14. I want to read that. Matthew 14, verse 10 through 14. Glory to God. Says, so he, this is King Herod, 
sent and had John, that's John the Baptist, beheaded in prison. He lost his head. Good reason he lost his head, but I won't talk about it today. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl. This is Herodias' daughter. She, uh, no dancing. She was table dancing. She was pole dancing or something. I don't know what she was doing. Right about it? She was, she was doing some kind of dance. It was, must have been a good dance because she, she was the daughter of Herod's girlfriend, Herod's wife. And she danced so good, he was like, ah, girl. And the wife didn't even do nothing. The wife, she don't, don't look at my daughter like that. She was using the daughter. She was using the daughter. That's another message right there. She was using her daughter. And his head was brought on a platter and brought and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. Then his disciples came, this is John's disciples, came and took away the body and buried it, and then they went and told Jesus, verse 13. They told Jesus. Now, Jesus, first of all, John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin. They met in the womb. Remember Mary? She found out she was pregnant. She went to see Mar uh, uh, Elizabeth, who was pregnant, and the moment that the, the two women met, them bellies touched or whatever, and they, whoo, they got, John got filled with the Holy Ghost. They were excited. They've known each other from the womb. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there. Jesus, I want you to see Jesus as a human. I want you to see the humanity of Jesus. He's so heartbroken, Peshera, that when he heard his cousin had been killed, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. By himself. He's overtaken with sorrow and grief. Jesus knows the feelings of our infirmities. He knows what it's like to lose someone close to you. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. Now watch verse 14. Verse 14. Watch purpose come into play. And when Jesus went out and he saw a great multitude, in all his grief, in all his sorrow, in all his pain, in all his, what, why did I, why, God, how could that happen? And all that, he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. That's what he came to do. His purpose pushed him past his pain. And if you don't have a purpose driving you, then grief will come over you and overtake you and you'll be stuck. And I'm going to show you here in a, in a few moments that if, if you don't deal with it, it can overtake you so much to the point that you will die like that. So it pushed them past rejection, pushed them past heartbreak, and it pushed them past abandonment. Everybody say abandonment. In John 6, verse 66, you know this so well. Jesus had thousands of disciples. In the sixth chapter of John, he began to preach some hard things like, I'm the bread of life. He began to talk about how you have to take and you have to eat me. What you talking about? See, if you're going to be my disciple, you got to abandon everything else and follow me. Not your mother, not your father, not your children. You got to follow me. And they were like, what? <laughs> Come to church all the time? What? From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. So I want you to imagine, now don't look at this church, but imagine if you were a pastor at a mega church like Jesus Christ was. 
He's got, let's, let's call it, we know when, he's, when he fed the 5,000, about 20,000 people. 5,000 men plus women and children. Follow him everywhere. In John 6, they, he fed them in John 6. They had 20,000 people just eating at his free dinner. He just had a free giveaway at his church. But when he starts talking about what you got to do to be his disciple, people said, that choker scattered on him, man. And he said, they, they walked with him no more. So could you imagine, you know, imagine uh, uh, 19,988 leaving you in one day. So he turns to the disciples in the next verse, verse 67, and he says this. Go to verse 67 for me, please. Glory to God, the next verse. He turns to his disciples. I'm going to tell you what he said. He said, hey, y'all leaving too? Y'all want to go away? So you know what they said, right? Where we going? You got that prime rib? You got that? What you call it? Filet mignon over there. We ain't going to get no ham boogie. Some of y'all know about ham boogie? None of y'all from the country. Ham boogie. My daddy used to call it ham boogie. Glory to God. It clearly says hamburger. Everybody say, I have a purpose. I can't die like this. So Jesus Christ, he, he withstood all that. And yet in the background, the cross loomed large. Power and past abandonment. Power past rejection. Powering past all the difficulties and pressures and the devils bring on his life. But in the background, in the back of his mind, the cross still loomed large. I want to show you something here. In John 12, verse 20 through 27. Y'all have time for me to read all that? John 12, 20 verse through 27. He had already, long before the cross time, he started dealing with the sorrow of the cross. He knew why he was here. In John 12 and verse 20, it says, Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip. Philip was one of the disciples who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew. And in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. So he knows it's getting close to time here. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But... If it dies, it produces much grain. He's signifying that he's going to die and produce much. He's going to become a seed in the earth. Verse 25, I got to keep going here. But he says, he who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him, my father, ooh, that's good right there. 
Boy, I need a highlight, a highlight that right there. Him, my Father, will honor. Glory to God. Verse 27. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, remember he's talking about his death on the cross. My soul is troubled. I'm going to keep my $100 bill. I had 100 for anybody who brought me a highlight. It's too late now. Now my soul is troubled. I'm just letting you know after the fact now. I thought somebody going to run up here with a highlighter. Now my soul, I meant that. I wanted a highlight in my Bible. But too late for the 100 Thank you. Watch verse 27. Now my soul, Jesus now, Jesus, strong champion, mighty warrior, lion of the tribe of Judah, champion of the universe, says my soul, troubled and what shall I say father save me from this hour but for this purpose I came to this hour so notice he knows his purpose but yet he admits unto Mary that so it's getting close. Now, when he first got on this planet, you know, it was cool. You know, I must be about my father's business. It is written, devil, get off me. But now he's like, my soul. <laughs> this is Jesus, y'all. This is Jesus. He, he can relate to you. Can you relate to him? It says, my soul. My mind, my will, and my emotions, they're disturbed right now. It's troubled. I, I know what I got to do, Barbara, but that thing, I, it's like he can almost see the cross. You know, he, it's getting closer. said, my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose, I came to this hour. What he's saying to us is that he could not let this soul trouble derail him from his assignment. He had to fulfill his prophetic assignment. And I want you to just notice again, to this point, he's, he's troubled, but he's pressing forward. I want you to see and listen to how confident and strong he still sounds. This Jesus, Sister LaCorn does, this Jesus champion he's strong and he's confident but the time came go back to Matthew 26 Matthew 26 I want you to understand where he is now but it's still with me in verse 18 of Matthew 26 he identified that it was his time. Matthew 26, 18, it says, he said, go into the city, to, to his disciples here, 
to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. Now, they're going to celebrate the Passover, but he sees beyond the Passover. These guys are only thinking about, we're going to eat, have a seven-day festival, then we're going to go back about our business. We're going to get back on the road and go in ministry. But he, he, is, he knows this is the last one. He says, so go into town and tell this certain man, my time is at hand. So he knew it was his time. I want you to look down at verse 21 and see that he knew not only his time, but he knew who his betrayer was. 21, now, as they were eating, he said, Surely I say to you, one of you will betray me. Now, isn't that something? What kind of man is this who going to feed the man who going to set him up? Glenn, I don't know about that. I don't know if I can feed the man that I know about to set me up. If I'm going to feed him, it might be a little something extra in his cup. Y'all get this cup. This is your cup. This is your little special cup. Oh, this is you, my buddy. You get this cup. Don't, don't drink that cup. This is his cup. He said, I sure that I say to you, one of you will betray me. Keep going, please. Keep going. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. They were. Now watch. The disciples, they were exceedingly sorrow, sorrowful. And each of them, 11 of them, began to say to him, Lord, is it I? Now, you know, you think, if I'm one of the guys at the table, I would know whether it's me or not. I'm like, but that's the Lord. That's the prophet. Maybe he sees something out. You know how it is, y'all get around a prophet, you're like, oh. Some people at church barely even get out. They pew, out the door. Oh, that man to see nothing. I don't know how he preached on my stuff last week. He must be seeing something. Yep, I'm a prophet. They said, Lord, is, is it I? Verse 23. 23. And he answered and he answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. Keep going. Keep going. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him. So watch this. He's saying, I'm going this, just as it was written. I got to go this way. I got to die like this. But woe to, the, to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Now, what, what did the disciples say to him before? Lord, is it I? Now watch verse 25. 25. Then Judas, who was, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, Oh, there's a difference. The other 11 said, Lord, is it I? Judas was a crook from the beginning. He said, Rabbi? He never saw him as Lord. That's why betrayal was so easy. The devil was looking for somebody to get into. Oh, I can get into that one that don't really have respect for his man of God. I can get right into him. That's what I can use. He said, Rabbi, is it I? Rabbi, everybody else is Lord. Remember when Elijah was about to leave the planet? Elijah? Nobody. Remember when Elijah was about to leave the planet? And Elisha followed him? 
Jordan, Gilgal, Bethel, he went to these places here. And, and the Bible says, says uh, when, when, when Elijah was taken away, taken away by that chariot, he, he said, my father, my father. But all the other prophets, sons of prophets, the school of prophets, I should say, they kept saying, your master is going to be taken away. They, they were seeing him as master, but Elisha said, my father. Who received the mantle? Y'all miss it. Who received the mantle? The one who saw him as father, not the ones who saw him as master. So how you see determines what you receive. Oh, Jesus. So Judas, the betrayer, said, Rabbi, is it I? And he said to him, you have said it. You said it. All right. Now go, go to verse 36. That's where our, our key scripture is. Y'all okay? Yeah. Everybody okay in the back? Yeah. All right. Okay, now watch verse 36. Now, before I go to verse 36, can I just tell you a little bit more? Let me go between that time when once Judas left, then Jesus, uh, he begins telling his disciples, he said, you know, okay, he, they know at least... What we know from other, other books is that they thought Judas was either going to buy some more supplies or feed the poor. They didn't know what Judas was doing. In other words, Jesus didn't call him out. But he called the rest of them out. He said, tonight, all y'all going to leave me. Now in John 6, y'all stay with me. But tonight... Y'all missing what I'm saying to you. See, in John 6, it was just hard teaching. It was just some serious doctrine that, you know, everybody else left, but y'all stayed. Y'all 12, y'all hung up with me. But she said, but tonight is about to get crumped. Tonight is about to get serious. Seriously, it's about to get serious. We about to go to a whole other level here. Because back then it was just about separating, you know, the, the followers from the disciples. Now it's going to be talking about separating the men from the boys. And he said, tonight, all y'all going to leave me. All 11 of y'all going to leave me. And they're like, no, we ain't, no, we with you to the end. We, we with you, Jesus. He said, no, all y'all. Peter. Big bad Peter. Jumps up. Oh no! I'll never leave you. If I have to die with you, I will die with you. That's, that, that's how your friend talk when they want to be thick as thieves. Roll, dog, ride or die, Jesus. We're going to ride or die, Jesus. That's what they're saying there, Pastor Roe. Ride or die, Jesus. This is what Peter's saying. Jesus said, Peter, before the rooster crowed three times, one time you're going to deny me three times. Before, before the sun comes up, you're going to deny that you even know me. 
Now I want you to understand now how serious it's getting for Jesus. It's crunch time here. His, his betrayer's gone. He's already announcing that the rest of his boy, this is his, these are his boys. We've been eating together, traveling together, sleeping together for the last three and a half years, and y'all going to leave me tonight because tonight this, this assignment is a one-man assignment. There are some things in your life, there are some parts to your purpose, there are some parts to your destiny, there are some parts to your assignment that you can't take your prayer partners with you. There, there are some things you're going to have to accomplish by yourself. The greatest moment is going to be a solitary moment. And if you're needy, N-E-E-D-Y, you'll never fulfill your ultimate purpose. Oh, Jesus went about healing, went about preaching, went about casting out devils, went, went about raising the dead. And he had the disciples doing that, healing, casting out devils, raising the dead, all that kind of stuff. But this one, I got to do this by myself. Peter said he would do it. No, you're not going to make this one, Peter. And I'm all right with that. Jesus said, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. For this purpose, I've been sent. I've known this my whole life, what I came for. Now, I want you to watch what happens here. Verse 36, then Jesus came with them, that's all 11. Remember, Judas is gone to set him up. To a place called Gethsemane, the place of the press. It's an olive press. And said to, to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. Their names are James and John. Not John the Baptist, this is John the Beloved. They're brothers. So he took with, them, with him Peter, James, and John, who he always took to the special assignments. And he began, he began. In other words, thing, the bottom starts to drop out, yeah. Sister Gary. He began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. This is, remember, this is our champion, Shante. This is the lion of the tribe of Jews. But right now, he's not a lion, he's a lamb. Who, when he came on the scene, John the Baptist, his cousin, announced, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus, mighty king, mighty warrior. But here he's a lamb who knows he's about to go before his shearers and open not his mouth. He knows the scriptures. It's a lamb before his shearers is dumb. It's a sheep opens out his mouth, so he said not a word. 
And so now the reality, what he's been knowing about for 33 and a half years, what he's been taking steps toward for the last three and a half years, now is a reality. It's been in his background, the back of his mind, it's been on the back burner from day one, but now it's, it's here, it's, it's time. It's the night of, and he knows it's going to begin, uh, if you'll allow this, a hell week for him. And now all that jovial nature, all that uh, smiling and all that I am the bread of life and I am the light of the world, all that glowing uh, tone has left him. For your Bible says he began to be sorrowful. Sorrow not. No, not when you look at the cross. It's just, thought was not supposed to have any sorrow. He's, he's began to be sorrowful. And the Bible says deeply. I want you to imagine with your spiritual mind your Savior. So many times we come, we receive the Lord's Supper and it's just bread and juice, just bread and juice. But I want you to imagine your Savior who at this moment He's broken. He's not excited about the cross. He's not looking forward to the cross. He's looking to get out of it. He began to be sorrowful and deeply. I know nobody's ever been there. But sorrowful and deeply distressed. Watch this, verse 38. Verse 38. Then he said to them, watch your confession. Then he said to them, you better guard your mouth, child of God. No, then he said to them, Jesus. The author finish of faith, Jesus. Our example of faith, Jesus. He said, he admitted. I'm talking to somebody. He, he came out of his mouth. No, always speak positive confession. He said, he said. He said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful. Now, later on, if you read that chapter, he'll say, say another place, the spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. We are spirit. We have souls. We live in bodies. Flesh. The spirit is willing. The spirit is perfectly willing to go through what God has for me. The flesh is weak. In other words, the flesh is going just going to do whatever. The flesh is just going to, he said, but my soul. That's where everything happens. That's the key to manifestation. It's the soul. He said, my soul, he has said earlier, is troubled. Now he says here, it is exceedingly sorrowful. sorrowful. 
I mean, I'm going through right now. I can't even lift my head right now. He's, the Bible says, a, the spirit of a man will sustain him in weakness, but a broken spirit, who can bear? And he said, my soul. None of y'all have been there when you lost something or something. Dear. He said, my soul. soul is exceedingly sorrowful. He's not upbeat. He's downcast. His soul is disquieted within him. His soul is going crazy. His soul is raging. His soul, he can feel all the emotion, the fear of his impending death. He wasn't going to take a pill and swallow it and die peacefully. He wasn't going to be beheaded and die in a quick moment. He knew this cross because the cross was not uncommon. The cross was a form of torture that the Romans had brought about where they had killed many people. The very worst form of torture on the planet. He knew that before he went to that cross, they would, they would tie him to a catanine, to a post, and whip his back until he bled, until all his organs would be exposed. He knew it. He knew his beard because he knows the scriptures, and everything in the scriptures has prophesied to this day. He knew that they would pluck his beard out. You read Psalm 22. He knew they would pluck his beard out. He knew they would take a reed and whip him on the head until he bled on a crown of thorns. He knew. So he says, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful. He knew that he would be taking the sins of the whole world upon himself. In the Old Testament, when the atonement time came, they had something called a Sacrificial lamb, or many times they use what was called a scapegoat. You've heard the word scapegoat. We use it in our modern vernacular, a scapegoat. What is a scapegoat? In the Jewish uh, uh, faith, they would take a goat, and they would, they would kill one goat, take its blood, plaster the other goat with this blood of this one lamb and then shoo it off and make it run away and never return. It was a scapegoat. This lamb would carry the pain and the sins of a whole nation on itself. So when your Bible says he's a lamb who takes away the sins of the whole world, Jesus knew he was going to come and bear all the sin and all the pain and all the punishment of our sins. And he's standing and he says, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. He's saying this, it's so strong, deep, it's, I feel like it's killing me. He's withstood abandonment. He's withstood rejection. 
understood the heartbreak of losing John. But this, I don't know if he had thought about this pain. I don't know if he had imagined this moment. But when he gets here, he says, this is so strong, it feels like it's going to kill me. Whereas the devil had tried to kill him. Suicide off a, off a temple. The people tried to kill him. They were going to throw him off a cliff. And he just walked through all that. But this moment, he said, this pain is so heavy. I feel like it's about to kill me. Ladies and gentlemen, grief and sorrow is a weapon of the enemy that he brings on a believer with the intent to kill you before you get to your assignment. When you've lost someone you love, when you've lost something that's been dear to you, how many people have left walking with God because the mom died? The child died. The close grandma died. And they got upset and couldn't take it. Grief. And they blamed God for it. And it wasn't God's fault. But the devil used that to get them to abandon their purpose and their assignment. That's why the Bible says that we aren't to grieve as the world's grieve as like those who have no hope. Jesus, the Son of God, the great I am, says this is so strong, I feel like it's about to kill me. Now he's talking right now to Peter, James, and John, his closest comrades. And he says, watch this, Chris. He says, stay here and watch with me. Why? He says, because this, I feel like it's about to kill me. I, I, need, I need somebody to watch with me. I don't know if y'all understand how serious he is. He's saying, I feel like I'm about to die. And I can't die like this. This grief is so strong, this sorrow, this heaviness is so strong. I, I need somebody to pray me through it. I need somebody to watch me because this thing is on me so strong. I've got to make it to the cross. But I don't... I'm just paraphrasing. I don't feel like I'm going to make it. This is what he's saying, y'all. I need you to see and hear Jesus' voice. I don't feel like I'm going to make it. It's, it's too heavy. It's too heavy for me. I can't, I 
can't do this. Oh, God. Oh, God. He said, y'all stay, please. Please, guys, don't go to sleep on me. Please watch me. Please intercede for me. I'm going through something right now. This, this transition, this, this, this next level of my life, this is, I'm about to be glorified, but before I, be, I get glorified, I got to go through some, some, some terrifying circumstances, but, and I need you to just pray for me. Guys, please just stay with me and pray. Everybody needs somebody in their corner who's going to pray for them, who's going to stand with them. Most people only want to show up when you're in your glory. But when you're going through your roughest time. When you're being betrayed. When most have walked out on you and now it's just you. In the very toughest time of his life. He has his three closest friends. Please God stay with me. Watch with me. Because I feel like this grief is going. Now, he wasn't, he wasn't suicidal. He understood. The, your Bible says the spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness, but a broken spirit who can bear. That means if your spirit is broken, you'll die from a broken spirit. You can die from heaviness. That's why the devil wants to get you in heaviness over the loss of your child, the loss of your, of your, 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 your uh, mother or father, the loss of your, of your marriage, the loss of your career, the loss of your business, the loss of your dream. He wants you to grieve so hard over losing, over failure that you wither and die from the exceeding sorrow. And it's interesting, most people in the body of Christ, we've been taught to kind of glaze over, especially in the faith world. You glaze over this. But it's a present reality. And I don't know if we understand Deacon Mac fully the anguish that Jesus Christ went through. Watch this. Can I show you something here? He said in verse 38, stay here and watch with me. In other words, keep an eye on me. Don't let me die like this. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. Don't let me die like this. Don't, don't, don't let me die unfulfilled. Don't let me die without finishing my work. I'm going to help some of y'all. Because some of y'all are like, I ain't, I, don't, I ain't ever felt like that. Don't die sick. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Don't die sick. Don't die poor and broke. I can't die like that. I can't die broke. I ain't gonna die broke. I can't die sick. I can't die depressed. I can't die upset. I can't die in guilt. I can't die like that. God called me to so much more than that. I can't die like that. 
this is Christ's, perhaps his worst moment of his career. Look at Hebrews 12, please, 1 through 4. Hebrews 12, verse 1 through 4. I want to show you something here. Can y'all handle some more? Y'all, can y'all, can I have some time? I, I need time. Hebrews 12, 1 through 4. Glory to God. Amplified Bible. Says there, oh, amplified, please. Amplified, amplified, please. Amplified. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Therefore, then, since we are surrounded, I told you you need, you need some, some, some people in your corner here. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth. Let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance and unnecessary weight and that sin which so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to and entangles us and let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race. So you have an appointed course. You got to finish your course. Verse 2, verse 2, please. Verse 2. Looking away from all that will distract to Jesus who is the leader now watch this it says he's the leader and the source of our faith now remember what we see our leader and source doing the leader and source of our faith giving the first incentive for our belief and is also its finisher bringing it to maturity and perfection he for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him endured endured not enjoyed endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3. Just think of him. Tell your neighbor, just think of him. Who endured from sinners such grievous opposition and bitter hostility against himself. Now watch this. Watch this. Any of y'all going through something? Reckon up and consider it in comparison with, with your trials. Think about what he went through and then compare that to your trials. So that you may not grow weary or exhausted, losing heart and relaxing and fainting in your minds. Verse 4. Verse 4. Verse 4. You have not yet, watch this, struggled and fought agonizingly against sin. I want you to see what he's going through here. Nor have you yet resisted and withstood to the point of pouring out your own blood. Yeah, he poured out his own blood. Give me that, give me verse 4, please, in the Passion Translation. In the Passion Translation. I want you to see this here. Verse 4. Verse 4. Glory to God. After all, you have not yet reached the point of sweating blood. In your opposition to sin. And all you're going through. You ain't reached that point. Go to Luke 22 real quick, please. I got to hurry up and finish this here. No, I don't. Luke 22, verse 43 and 44. Luke 22, verse 43, 44. You go back to New King James Version for me, please. Luke 22, I want you to see what he's going through. Can y'all handle this? Luke 22. Uh, verse 33, I'm sorry, 43 and 44. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Man, y'all got to get this thing working. Let me just read out the Bible. Luke 22. Luke 22. 
43 and 44. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. Man, he's going through something for God to send an angel. Why would God send an angel to strengthen him? Because he knows he's about to die of grief. And he can't let him die. Y'all, y'all not catching this. You're not catching this yet. He's about to die of his grief, of his sorrow. And the father says, no, I'm going to help you fulfill your purpose. I won't let you die like this. I won't let you die sick and broke and busted and disgusted and in a mess and down and depressed. No, there's greater that God has for you. So if I got to send an angel from heaven, I will send an angel to strengthen you. Whatever it takes to keep you from dying like this. Did you just catch what I said? I don't care what you're, how you are right now, how you are, every one of you are right now, you can't die like this. I don't care if some of y'all tomorrow, oh, I'm good. You can't die like that. I'm doing all right. You can't die like that. God didn't call you to be all right. God ain't no all right God. He don't have no all right promise. He didn't give you no all right covenant. You don't have this all right savior who said all right blood on an all right cross. No! He's a mighty God. So an angel had to appear to him to strengthen him, to help him. Angel, go down there and help him. He's going through. It's about to kill him. Look at the next verse, verse 44. And being in agony, this is what he's going through. He prayed more earnestly, then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Medical science says that it is possible to, be in, possible to be in so much agony and distress that your capillaries begin to burst. That's why you get nosebleeds. That's why in, sometimes you get red eyes, your capillaries burst in your eyes. It's possible to be in so much agony. I know this never happened to any of y'all. I know it hasn't. I know it hasn't. Because you ain't been there. You ain't none of us been there. Oh, you don't know what I've been through, Pastor. You ain't been there. I know you've been through. I, I give you that. We all been through something. But ain't none of us been there. Where his, instead of sweat coming out, blood comes off his pores. That's stressed out. Not because of his own sin. Not for his own sickness. Not for his own poverty. Not for his own curse. Because of our stuff. Thank you, Lord. Get 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 through 8. I know I'm taking a long time, but I, I got to get, get you this. You must refuse to die until you fulfill your prophetic assignment. 
You must refuse to die until you've fulfilled your prophetic assignment. Don't die until you've poured out everything Father God put inside you. Did you hear what I said? You must refuse to die until you fulfill your prophetic assignment. I'm telling you, don't die. Some of y'all, what are you talking about? I told you, don't die. And you must refuse to die until you finish. Did you find 2 Timothy 4, verse 6 through 8? The King James Version? They got on the screen for us. This is the Apostle Paul, Deke. He says this. this watch, watch Paul. Paul says, for I am now ready to be offered. I'm now ready. And the time of my departure, departure, another word for Exodus, his, his death, is at hand. Verse, verse 7. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I, I finished what God told me to do. He said, I have kept the faith. Verse 8. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that also that love his appearing. Now, let me give you a couple words real quick. That word finish. That word finish, the Greek word teleo, means to bring to a close, to finish, to end. It means to perform or execute. It means to complete or to fulfill. It means, now watch this, this is important, to carry out the contents of a command. You're under commandment from God. To do just as commanded. And generally involving the notion of time to perform, listen to this, the last act which completes a process. Did you hear what I said? Yeah. To perform the last act. You know in a play they have acts. There's act one, act two, act three, or however long it may be. You can't, you can't leave the stage, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, man, I... I have any faith people in here yes. till you finish your last act. What is it? I don't know what your last act is. I don't know, I don't know how, how the story plays out for you. I know, it's going, I know it ain't like this. I don't care how much money you got. It ain't like this. I don't care how well you're doing. It ain't like this. Oh, I'm happy. It ain't like that. You have not reached the pinnacle of your career. Watch this. Watch this. Okay, that word, the next word we said, he said, I finished my course. Y'all with me here? That word course in the Greek is the word dramas. Dramas, which watch it means a course. In the New Testament, figuratively, the course of life or of office from the alternate of uh, G5143, treko, which means a race, trek, figuratively a career. So Paul said, Pastor Jerome, I finished my career. Y'all ain't catching this yet. When you got born again, you began your career. This is your real job. 
Not what you're going to tomorrow. That ain't your real job. Y'all ain't catching what I'm saying. This, Pastor Joshua, that's your word right there. That's your word. This is your real job, man. God is calling you out into your real vocation. Now, what word of a vocation wherewith you are called? And he'll pay for it. He said, I finished my career. Now, I don't know how many of y'all are sports fans, but no, no athlete wants to end his career on an injury. No, come on, y'all. No, 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 no athlete wants to, wants to retire from his career getting swept out of the playoffs. You don't want to end like that. You want to end your career, Robert. You want to end your career on a high note. You want to end your career with a championship ring, with a, with a championship trophy. You want to end your career uh, balling. Glory to God. You don't want to end your career and you still the lowest man on a totem pole in your, in, your, in your company. You want to end your career on top. So when you're walking with God, and that's your vocation, you can't end your career sick. Somebody gets sick and they die, and we're talking about, well, they finished their course. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Y'all stop telling that lie at funerals. No, they didn't. They fought a good fight. No. A good fight is a fight you win. Never heard nobody lose a fight to my man. That was a good fight. <laughs> so you're supposed to finish your career on top. Some of y'all, you just about to start your career. Just about to realize what your assignment is. Just about to realize that God has called you to something greater. That's why, so, now this ain't everybody, this ain't everybody, I ain't tell everybody to quit your job. But this is why some of y'all, you're uneasy in what you're doing now. It's because your real career is calling you. I thought I might have had three or four more people than that. Your real career is calling you to something greater than what you're doing now. What you're doing now is good. It's just, it's just a pass of time until you launch out into your real career. And the, Oh, yeah, I'm going to say this. And else. The reason why some of y'all won't go into your, your real career is because your fake career is paying the bills right now. It's because your job is paying the bills. Well, my wife and I, my wife and I, back in 2002, we, we were pulling down almost 100 grand a year. In 2002. She was making 55,000 a year as an engineer. I was making 40,000, 45,000 as a, as a self-employed barber. In 2002. Ha, ha, ha. And the Lord said, leave. Go on ministry full time. What? How are we going to eat? How are we going to feed these children? Y'all know what children are? How are we going to feed these children? Yeah. 
God is a good God. Yes, he is. 17 years later, God is still paying the bills. <laughs> God opens our real career. Thank you, Lord. John 19, verse 28 through 30. Let's close it out right here in this, in this section right here. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, I have come a long way, but I can't die like this. I can't die before I taste the fullness of the glory, man. I can't die till I feel like, till I, till I know what it feels like to walk with no pain in my body, to walk, to live with no pain. I can't, I can't die like that. We keep talking about as Christians, over there, over yonder, no more pain. You got no more pain over here. Your career over here. What happens over there? Ain't no testimony to nobody over here. Did you hear what I said? What happens over there is no testimony to people over here. People over here need to see what you're doing over here. Streets of gold up there, they need to see some gold on your street. Over here. After this, Jesus. Now, now, what's happened? He got over his sorrow. Went to the cross. He's now on the cross. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished. See, now he can die. He couldn't die till he was finished. That the scripture might be fulfilled said, I thirst, thirsted. The Bible had prophesied that what, what would happen when he said that. Verse 29, now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there and they filled a sponge with sour wine. That was a prophecy. Put it on hyssop and put it to his mouth. Verse 30, verse 30. So Jesus had received the sour wine. He said, he said, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he Gave up his spirit. He died. That, that's, that's, that's exactly what it says in my paper. He died on his terms. I'm challenging you today to die on your terms. Yes, sir. I accept the challenge, sir. I ain't thinking about dying. I ain't talking about right now. I don't mean today. You ain't finished. You know you ain't finished. You know you barely got even got started. I'm talking about, but don't die until you finish. Make sure you die on your terms. Don't die sick. Don't die broke. Don't die disease. Don't die. Don't die uh, uh, in debt. And leave that debt for somebody else. Somebody gonna figure out. Don't leave. Don't leave. Get out of debt before you die. The Bible says the wicked borrow and don't repay. Make sure you repay before you die. 
That's the kid's problem. That's the kid's problem. The kids don't have a problem. <laughs> so he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. So he died on his own terms. You can die on your own terms. I said you can die on your own terms. So you don't die sick. You don't die broke. You don't die unfulfilled. Now I want to help somebody here today. Because I want you to know that you have a choice in the matter. You have a say. Some of y'all are sitting there looking like, what are you talking about? Don't die till I finish. I don't, I, ain't no, no, I don't have no choice about that. It's just when in my time, my time, my time. When God called me, where are you getting that from? Who told you that? That's bad tradition. That's bad teaching. First Corinthians 3, verse 22. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 22. In the Living Bible. Watch this. God has given you Paul and Apollos. This is Peter talk, uh, Paul talking. God has given you Paul and Apollos and Peter as your helpers. He has given you the whole world to use. What? Huh? Y'all ain't saying nothing. He's giving you the whole world to use, Robert. This world is for you to use, not for the world to use you. And life and even death are your servants. So life is your servant. Death is your servant. Death has no authority to come tipping in your room. We just sing a song growing up, late in the midnight hour when death come tipping in the room, you're going to need somebody on your whatever. I don't know what they said the last word. You need... And then we, we always, we grew up thinking death is going to come to your room at night, so we'd be scared to go to sleep at night. Because death going to come tipping in. Child, go to bed. Life. In the King James, New King James, it says all things are yours, life and death. They're, they're yours, which means you control how you live and you control how and when you die. But they said, I got, who cares what they said? Life and death are your service. I can tell by looking at y'all face, y'all are, boy. Is it in the Bible? Just, just tell me it's in the Bible. You better put King James in there because they was like, I don't believe that living Bible. I don't know that living Bible. Who wrote that living Bible? Give me the King James because King James is right. King James is the only authorized Bible that you're supposed to use. Why don't you know living Bible? Give me the King James. 1 Corinthians 3, 22 in the King James Bible. Watch what it says. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. Bam. How you like them apples? Do with it what you want to do with it. Stand to your feet. Get Psalm 118, verse 17 on the screen, please. New King James Version. Psalm 118, verse 17. Psalm 118, verse 17. This is what, this is what a psalmist, David, under the old covenant... 
under the old covenant said. This is what David under the old covenant, not the new covenant that we're part of, which is a better covenant with better promise with a better mediator. This is David under the old covenant. He knew his rights under the old covenant, Deacon Robert. David said, I shall not die, but live and complete my assignment. He's a worshiper. He's a praiser. So my assignment is I'm going to declare the works of the Lord. I'm going to finish my course. I'm going to fulfill my purpose. They called him the sweet psalmist of Israel. He said, so I, I'm, I'm not, I shall not die. Tell your neighbor, I shall not die. But live and finish my assignment. Give me that same verse, last thing here, in the New Living Translation. New Living Translation. I will not die. Instead, instead, here's my option. I'm going to take it. I'm not, I'm not, you can take blue pill or the red pill. No, I'm going to not take a blue pill. I'm going to take the red pill over here which says I'm going to live to tell what the Lord has done. I don't care wherever you are now, whatever stage you're in, wherever. Don't, don't go out like this. I don't care whether you're broke and, and, and poor, ain't got a dime, or whether you got a half million dollars in the bank. Don't go out like that. Don't go out like that. Oh, but I'm doing good. That ain't, that ain't, that ain't no money. This lady, uh, her name is... Uh, I don't, I don't remember her last name, but I'm going to call her Sister Bezos. Sister Bezos. Matter of fact, I'm going to call her officially the former Mrs. Bezos. Her, her former husband as of Friday is Mr. Bezos, Jeff Bezos of Amazon fame. She's getting a check this week for $38 billion. $38 billion with a B. $38 B. Actually, she's getting $38 billion worth of stock. Much of it is stock. She's going to get some cash, but much of it is stock. $38 billion. So your 500 grand? <laughs> now, I'm not picking on you because I don't have 500 grand in the bank. But I was talking to Pastor Joshua the other day. I went by to visit his business, sat with him for a little while. Thank you, sir. And we were talking about his uh, work over in Haiti. He was telling me about how uh, he's, in a few weeks, going to ship a truck over there. I said, we're going to help you do that. We're going to ship a truck over there, load it with uh, clothing that they've boxed up and gathered, and they're going to send over there. And I said, but how much does it cost? He said, it costs about, uh, about 1000 to send it, but it costs another 1400 to get it off the, off the, the dock. That's because the corrupt governments, they... So $2,400. Now, if I were to ask in this room, how many of y'all single-handedly could pay that without worrying about thinking about your rent and your lights and your water, how you going to eat? The number of hands that would go up would be minimal. You can't die like this. And that's just one trip. 
We're talking about supplying nations. I've ordained you to nations. This is one trip. That ain't food. What would it cost to fund what, what Kirkland and Toyers went down to in, in Naco, Mexico a couple weeks ago? That orphanage there. What, what it? $2,400 wouldn't last a month. So I know you're doing good and you're balling, shot caller, but I'm talking, about, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about don't die like that. And if you're sick, definitely don't die like that. You got a disease in your body and they told you stage three, stage four, don't die like that. No, get healed and then die. Die by choice, not by force. Die by choice. You can do that. He just told you that death is your servant. Tell death, go on, come back. You got to come back later. How many of y'all received this message today? We're going to pray. After we pray, we're going to receive the Lord's Supper. At the same time, if you're sick in your body, I'm going to lay hands on you today because you can't die like that. If you're battling with sorrow or grief, maybe you hadn't told many people about it. You just, your own private time, you're battling with something. Can't die. Y'all can go ahead and play something. Play something back there. If you're battling with whatever, we're going to pray for you. Because you can't die like that. And see, if you don't deal with it, it will kill you. Grief and sorrow will kill you dead. That's what they're there for. The Bible calls uh, grief a spirit of heaviness. It doesn't matter what you're heavy about. Heavy about losing someone physically, loss of marriage, loss of love, loss of career, loss of whatever, ever. I just lost it. We're going to pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Pastor Josh, you want to help me today? Yep. Yes, sir. This is what we're going to do. If you're sick, he's going to pray for you. If you're battling with grief or sorrow, I'm going to pray for you. Got it? I say, y'all got it? Father, thank you today for the word. Thank you for your anointing that destroys yokes and removes burdens. Thank you for that anointing, Father, that today will bring people out of the grips of deep distress and sorrow. That will bring people out of the bondage of lack and poverty, the bondage of sickness and disease. I thank you, Father, that whatever is against your people, you 
are able to send an angel if you have to, to strengthen. Just like you did for Jesus, you'll do for us. Thank you, Lord, for what Jesus Christ went through on Calvary's cross to, to go through all the pain and agony, even to the point of, of sweating blood because of what he would face to the point of feeling even being, uh, being forsaken on the cross when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we know it's because you could not look upon all that sin, all of our sin on him and his discontorted, his contorted body, his, 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 his body that was so marred and bruised and beaten that he was unrecognizable. Thank you for not stopping the process and allowing the process to be finished and complete and letting him go into hell for us and then raising him up on the third day morning for us. Now today, because of what he went through, we have total victory. Total victory belongs to us. And we will walk in it today. Now I pray these person the sound of my voice who has heard this word, that as they come, as they receive the Lord's Supper, then as they come and we lay hands on them, that they receive everything that belongs to them. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. About to say this with me. Say, I can't die like this. Say, I won't die like this. Say, I will press on. Until I have become all God called me to be, until I've done all God called me to do, until I have received everything that belongs to me in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now do this. I want you to line up around this wall.